What's going on everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Unscripted, the show that brings you professionals from all walks of life, touching on their backstory, their mindset, and how they navigate through adversity and opposition, while providing you practical tips that might help you on your path. I'm your host, two-time Olympian, Olympic bronze medalist, author, and motivational speaker, Akeem Haynes. Now, let's get into the episode. This week on the show, episode 126. I'm joined by the lead pastor of Christ Uncensored House of Worship in Staten Island, New York. He is about loving God, loving people, and loving life. The mission of his church is to spread the message of Jesus to as many people as possible. With the reach of almost one million people across his social platforms, he's taken an evolving approach when it comes to sharing and spreading his message. This week on the show, I'm joined by Pastor Rolando Remedios joins me on the show. I had a great conversation with Ro. We spoke about a bunch of different topics that some pastors wouldn't feel comfortable talking about, but he was real, honest, and transparent with his responses. A very relatable conversation, even if you aren't someone with a faith-based background. This episode, we get into growing up in tough, abusive environments, We talk about how our traumas as kids carry over as adults, if not dealt with. How he found his purpose. How he dealt with frustration when God's plan didn't come as quickly as he thought it would. He gives us tips on how to find our purpose and how to find our gifts. We also talk about how to endure the wait until your breakthrough comes. We also talk about his approach to evolving and being innovative with his message by using his social platforms to reach a broader and wider audience. And he also leaves us with a powerful word of encouragement that I know is going to speak volume to someone that comes across this episode today. Before we go, do me a huge favor. Wherever it is that you can leave podcast ratings, review Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, Chartable.com, please do us a huge favor and leave a rating and review of the show. This small act truly, and I mean truly, goes a long way in moving the podcast forward. This is going to be the second to last episode of the year, and I need your help in moving the podcast forward and see what we can do as we continue to grow moving forward. So with all that being said, enjoy this week's episode with Rolando Remedios. What's what's going on with you, man? How are you, man? Oh, I'm grateful, man. I can't complain. Once we start from there, man, how you doing? I am doing well. I uh, just got my cup of coffee. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to head out to pick up my uh, daughter today. We're going to go out tonight. So I'm doing well, man. Man, grateful for your time, man. I know you have a lot going on. I'm glad that we're able to do this. And a bunch of questions for you today, man. But we're going to start <laughs> off how I like to start off every single day of my life. And that start with gratitude. I believe it's it's very hard to think negatively if you wake up in a good state by professing what you're grateful for, man. So first question, man, give me three things you're grateful for today. Well, I appreciate that. And um, I, I definitely agree with it. I am grateful every single day for God's grace over my life. Um, I don't think that there's anything that isn't, a, isn't connected to God's grace. So mm-hmm. for me, God's grace is absolutely the most thing, the, the thing that I'm most grateful for. I'm grateful uh, for his love, his grace, and then I'm grateful for my family. Um, and the last thing I would say I'd be grateful for is, um, well, the third thing, not the last thing, but the third thing <laughs> would be uh, the ministry that God has called us to lead at our church at Christ Uncensored House of Worship and the amazing people that he's allowed me to connect with and be in relationship with. And uh, those three things are are definitely the things that I feel the most grateful for. Bro, you've been in ministry for a while now, man. As you just said, uh, Christ Uncensored Church in Staten Island, New York, but you didn't start there. You know what I'm saying? And we're going to go a bunch of different places throughout this conversation, but I want to dive back to the early years of your life, man. What was the dynamics like during that time, right? Not just in the household, but the culture around you, 
the Times in New York. If I'm not mistaken, I believe you're a Brooklyn man, right? You're a Brooklyn man. But from your earliest days, man, what was it like growing up around you? And was the seeds of faith planted early during those times? Well, you know, interesting enough that it was this dynamic in our household growing up. And we're talking about going back to the days of Brooklyn. I was raised in a a home where we it was very religious, but it was very abusive. Mm. Uh, so that that's really the beginning of my journey. Uh, my earliest memory, not to get real dark and deep <laughs> immediately, but my earliest memory is a very abusive memory. You know, I was raised in a home where, to be honest, Physical abuse was present all around. It was uh, physical abuse of my mother from my father, physical abuse of me and my brothers. So we were raised uh, primarily, it was three brothers for a long time, and then the fourth brother came along. By the time the fourth brother came along, that's kind of like when we put a stop to it. We were old enough already, and we kind of stood up to my father. But for those first 14, 15, maybe even going on to 16 years, it was a very physically abusive uh, home. uh, where police were involved, where court cases were involved, uh, were having to leave and run uh, at times. Yeah. Uh, didn't have yeah. a place to stay, staying at other people's home just to kind of get away from my father. At the same time, it was my father who was constantly uh, the one going to church. And it was constantly my father who was the one that was kind of like, you know, promoting the message of God, but more in a very religious, dogmatic, um, legalistic kind of way, you know? So, you know, in our household, the TV was the devil. You know, if you saw certain programs, you were going to get infected. You know, um, it was very, very legalistic. Um, But there was a seed, if I'm being honest, there were seeds that were planted during that time that allowed me to encounter God for himself. So uh, I remember at 10 years old in a a very traditional Pentecostal legalistic church um, in in Sunday school, a clown came and his name was (laughs) El Payaso Flon Flon. And it was a Spanish. It was all Spanish. Yeah. And I remember that being the first time that I personally, for myself, had an encounter with God. That would be, to me, my, my earliest memory of, of that seed taking place in my heart. Um, and I remember at, at the end, he kind of like he had his, his whole show and it was amazing for Sunday school. And then uh, at the end, he said, hey, if you would like, I would like to introduce you to my best friend. I would like to, to introduce you to my savior. His name is Jesus. And if you want to get to know him then after we dismiss class, I want you to stay. Mm-hmm. And I remember staying. And I stood. It was actually one more girl uh, that stood. It was me and another girl. We were the only two stu- students that stayed behind. And we both cried. We both gave our life to Jesus that day. Um, and that was the beginning uh, uh, of that. Now, the years to come were, again, continuously abusive, physically abuse, was introduced to pornography, uh, by my uncle. Uh, so for a very long period of time, it was not until I was maybe about 17 yeah. that yeah. I was, I was, uh, I was dealing with so many of these things going to church here and there. But then I, at 17 was when I actually had that, that encounter with Jesus. And I said, Lord, I don't, I don't care anymore. Like whatever it takes, I want to be sold out for you. And I remember the words that he told me, like I was in the middle of a, a youth service at 17, Akeem, and, and I was there for the wrong reasons. You know, I wasn't there. I wasn't there because I wanted to know God. I wasn't there because I wanted to his presence. I was there because they told me that they had pretty girls at that church. And so I wanted to go there. And so that's the reason I went to that youth service. And in that youth service, God, I want to say just got a hold of me. I remember like everybody was worshiping around, like everybody was, all the kids were worshiping and I was kind of like sitting back just staring. Yeah. And I remember the yeah. Holy Spirit just kind of spoke to my heart and he said that there are people, um, there are people that won't hear my message because you are choosing not to speak it. 
I don't know why that hit me like a ton of bricks. It, it's not the remote. It's not the most, you know, romantic thing. It's not the most, you know, like it, for whatever reason, when he said that there are, there are some people that won't hear my message because you won't speak it. That wrecked me. Like when I tell you that wrecked me, that wrecked me and transformed my life for the, for the rest of my life. And so at 17, I, I want to say I, I, I kind of like recommitted. I, I, didn't, I always had a relationship with the Lord, but I, I committed to my purpose and to the call he had on my life. At the very, next, the very next year, 18, I signed up for Bible Institute, did my Bible Institute, and began in, in ministry. We're going to talk about purpose in one second, man. But going back to what you just said, 15, 16, 17, right? Your uncle introduced you to pornography and you're kind of seeing like, like a contradiction, right? Where your dad is telling you, look, man, God is good. God is great. But on the other side, some things are happening, right? As a young man, what was going through your head when we are seeing this? Because I believe that we're always asking ourselves questions. And when we're asking certain questions, we look within our environment to see where we can find these answers. So what questions were you having of yourself as a young adolescent trying to make sense of what was around you, but still believing that, man, I know there is more for me. I just don't know what the heck that looks like. So did you feel a sense of seeking to find worth during that time? Or did you feel you didn't know what to feel? Yeah. I mean, that's a good question. I, I think that um, especially like, Growing up and having these feelings towards your father, uh, the one, you know, essentially the one that is supposed to kind of show you your worth, the, the person that's supposed to lead you and guide you in these areas and him be the one to kind of like pull that from you and destroy that in you mm. um, was a very difficult thing. And of course, that does that that did lead to, you know, finding like looking for things yeah. in different yeah. ways, whether it was pornography, whether it's having sex, whether it's having affirmation from outside figures, uh, you, you look for that validation as a, as a 13 year old, as a 14 year old. Um, there was always this thing in me though, that this would be temporary. It always felt, I want to say it was the, I want to say it was the Holy spirit, you know, even though I couldn't pick up on it at, at the time, yeah. I know that throughout my entire childhood, I always felt like this is temporary. Like, this is not going to always be this way. I'm, I'm going to be able to either defend myself. I'm going to be able to come out of this. I'm not going to be a statistic. Um, those are the, I, I want to say, the, those, that's where I feel like the hand of God was just kind of like gracefully over me because I'm like, I don't know how to make sense of it. I don't know how to say, what is it that triggered that in my mind? But I always knew in my heart of hearts that, yeah, this is temporary. Like God has something bigger for me. God, God's not going to keep me in this situation. And even though it was 15, 16 years of my life, um, there was a time that we were finally able to put a stop to it. Uh, and again, that's not the most pleasant thing because no one ever wants to physically confront their father. You know, no, no child should ever have that feeling of yeah. physically having to protect their mother. Um, but it did come to a stop. Uh, but the effects of it was a journey of healing. Because you could put a stop to the, to the hurting, but the wounds have, have already uh, found their, their place in your life. You know? So even though I could stop from being hurt, I was still wounded. And those wounds uh, carried out through... Um, my relationships, those wounds carried out even through, you know, my life and eventually experienced healing and transformation through the Holy Spirit, um, through counseling. I went through four or five years of counseling. Um, and uh, there's a school that we're a part of. It's called Matrix University. And it all focuses on renewing the mind and healing from um, past hurts and wounds. You know, Ro, one of the things people see you, right, and they see someone who is genuine, they see someone who's authentic, they see someone who is speaking from the heart. Every message, I think that 
the first message that I came across you was on was on TikTok, and you're talking about purpose, right? But people see the message and they see all that, but it, it didn't come from a place of 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 you had to go through something in order to breathe that message. So, Ro, what 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 was some of the challenges now in this stage in your life that you still have to continue to practice? Right, you have to continue to practice to be uh, not revert back to your old ways. You have to continue to practice being certain things. We're always in continuing practicing of. So, what are some of the things that maybe your childhood that affected you that you're still constantly practicing to make sure you keep that in check? Yeah, that's um, that's key. Uh, the practices, because what happens to Kim is that you are being programmed the, the first few years of your life in existence as a child first seven years you're simply just you're, you're just recording you know the first seven years of your life you're just recording well this is how you get angry this is how you speak this is how you function then the next few years you're kind of like learning how to decipher for your own and you kind of decide at that time whether what you're going to embrace and most of the time you're like you em you embrace what you've been taught or whatever's forced on you or whatever is, is the example in your, in your life. And so, um, you, when, once you become self-aware enough to realize, like, hold on a second, my life is headed in a pattern and in a direction mm -hmm. that I don't want it to. And that self-awareness is putting a stop on the cycle. Like just, that's the beginning, just coming to the place of the self-awareness is the beginning, right? It's like, Oh, wait a minute. Like, this is just a pattern. And what I say is like, you're, you're operating under a program. You're mm -hmm. operating under the program that's been downloaded all these years. The Bible calls that program your sinful nature. Um, and so nonetheless, we all have a sinful nature. That sinful nature manifests itself in different ways in different people. Yeah. You know, so for me, my sinful nature manifest itself in a different way let's say my father's sinful nature uh manifested his his uh manifested in him in a very legalistic dogmatic abusive way as some people's sinful nature manifests in addiction uh so you're you're now when you become self-aware what i call god conscious so the holy spirit begins to play a more active role in your life you become self-aware and then you you want to put a stop to it. And it's for the first time that you're, you're, um, you're deciding to swim upstream mm. when the current and the momentum of, of your whole past is just moving. It's, it's, it's a, it's a continuum. It's just moving forward. And you decide that this is not where you want to continue, that you just don't want to be on the driver's, uh, you don't want to be on the passenger seat as your sinful nature takes control of the driver's seat. When you, when you become self-aware, it's when you now need to start putting the practices that you're talking about mm. into play, because that's what the, then the Bible calls the renewing of your mind. Mm. Um, and uh, for me, those practices um, were, were things, there, there's a moment that happens when you become self-aware and you know you, you, you want to change that direction. And the Bible says this, the Bible says this in Galatians, it says, it says, for you have been set free for freedom. And then it says, stand firm in your freedom. Mm -hmm. That's a powerful thought because there, are, there is this moment, the Bible says in John chapter 8, right? It says, he who the Son sets free is free indeed. Or I believe John chapter 6. Mm -hmm. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. But then when you look at Galatians, it says, stand firm in your freedom. There's something that's always going to try to pull you back to what you know. On, and pull you back to to the momentum that you're used to. Well, I'm used to cursing people out. I'm used to holding a grudge. I'm used to being abusive because that's what I was taught. So you're so the moment you place your faith in Jesus and the Holy Spirit begins to transform your life, or you 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 become self aware or, or have that God conscious in you, and you decide that you want your hey I, I I don't think this is the direction. Like you're swimming upstream now. And so you're now reprogramming your mind to think differently. You're reprogramming your mind to something that you're not used to. 
because you're just used to being you're, you're running through the program so you're now reinstalling you're installing a brand new program so the holy spirit makes you brand new you're you're a new creature in christ jesus but your soul doesn't know that so mm -hmm. if you're like if you got a corn on your left toe and, and and now you're brand new in christ yeah you're brand new in christ but you still got a corn on your left toe and so what happens is that when you renew your mind you begin to see more of that newness that God has already deposited on the inside of you. You're literally, it's just attaching yourself to the, to the new spirit that God has given you. And that's why Romans, Romans 12 says, um, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world. Well, what are the patterns of the, this world outside of society, outside of this world's culture? It's nine, the majority is how you were raised. The yes. majority is how you were raised. And so don't be conformed. Don't be forced in a mold, but be transformed. How? How is it that you're going to experience transformation? By the renewing of your mind. And, and, and when you begin to re renew your mind, so that's a long-winded answer of saying, <laughs> of saying the things that I put into practice that I almost have to do every day, Akeem, is number one, expressing gratitude. And this is during my time of meditation. And this is, what am I doing? I'm just... I'm reprogramming my mind because it's easy not to be grateful. It's easy to be entitled. So that's the momentum of the world. The momentum of the world is me, 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 self-centered, right? It's just the momentum of the world. And if you don't swim upstream, you're just going to be carried away in that momentum. And so uh, is gratitude. Second is forgiveness. Mm. It's forgiveness. Um, um, I think that the easiest way to get stuck in life is to hold a grudge and to be unforgiving and to be better. And, and, and I mean, we could preach on that. Right. And then the third thing is generosity is just like, how do I, how can I serve somebody else today? How can I do something today that is beyond myself? Bro, you talk about purpose, right? And the Bible talks about purpose and plans. Um, but there are people out there Ro, who don't believe that there is a plan for their life or God has given them something inside of them. Right. And people ask me about purpose all the time. But how does one find that purpose if they don't believe that they are? Ro, how, how, what is a way how you would say, look, if someone's saying, Pastor Ro, man, like, man, I don't I hear what you're saying, but I don't believe that's me. What would you tell? What would you tell them? How does one find their purpose? Well, you know, <clears throat> I think the journey of life is discovering um, your purpose. Now, I, I think that this is going to be a long answer for me, but it's, it's going to be for a reason. The first thing is, is if someone believes that they don't have a purpose, the, the question is, were you created by a someone or a something? And if you believe that you were created by a someone or something, then you didn't just come to be. Like there was intention. If you were created, right? So like this car didn't just come to be, it was created. And if it was created, that means that it existed in the mind of somebody else before it came to fruition or before it manifested. And so if we just believe that if we, if we believe that um, there is a creator who created us, then we by just by natural understanding that we were created with intention. The second thing I would say in terms of finding that purpose is um, there is, I, I, I believe that there's a general purpose um, that we all have as human beings, that there's a general purpose, a general purpose. And then as individuals and as groups, we have a, a more specific purpose. You know, I think that sometimes we get very caught up in the specific purpose. Mm. And we go on the search first and foremost for the specific purpose. And what I want to appeal to people is begin to walk in your general purpose first. And it's within that context. It's within that place that you're going to find your specific purpose. It'll become much more clear. I'll give you this uh, illustration that has have, has worked for me. I mean, when the Holy Spirit showed me this, I was just like, yeah, this is exactly what it is. I remember, I remember misplacing or what I thought at the time was losing my wallet. And I went over to my, my mother's house because I was, I was trying to 
try out some suits that I needed because I was going to do a wedding. I was going to uh, marry a couple. And I realized I didn't have my suit. My suit was gone. I don't even know why I did it. I did with it. So I misplaced the only suit that I had. So I go to my brother's house who had a bunch of suits that he doesn't use anymore because he didn't work for that for that company anymore. So I say, hey, can I borrow uh, a suit? He says, sure, go to the house. So I go to the house and I start trying out all the suits. Long story short, I leave the house. I, I get my suit. I get home. I can't find my wallet. Mm. I'm like, where is my wallet? Where's my wallet? And I never lose my wallet. So I'm like, where is my wallet? Okay. So I go everywhere looking for it. I go to my front lawn and I start looking for my, my wallet everywhere in the front lawn. I go to the street where the car was parked to see maybe when I came out the car, maybe it came out the, maybe came out my pocket. I go to my mother's house where the suits were. Um, I go inside the, um, uh, I go to the front part of her house and I start looking for my wallet there and I'm spending hours, you know, like I, at this point it's getting to like the third, fourth hour. I, I wake up, yeah. And now this is, this is nighttime. So I, I'm with a flashlight and everything. So I was like, all right, you know what? I can't find it. I go in the next morning. Now it's daytime. I go look again in my front lawn. I spend a couple of hours there looking for it. Same thing. I go back to my mother's house. I go looking for it. Can't find it. I go upstairs. Can't find it. I go into the closet. Can't find it. I'm like, man, this is crazy that I've lost this wallet. A couple of hours later, I mean, I go home. Uh, a couple of hours later, my mother calls me. She's like, Rolando, Rolando. That's my name, right? So she's like, Rolando, Rolando. I found your wallet. And I said, where was it? She goes, it was inside one of the suit jackets. You must have placed it. it must, you must have placed it there as you were taking off your pants and trying out the new clothes. And what hit me there was like, you could be looking for the right thing in the wrong place. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. You can be looking for the right thing, but if you're looking for it in the wrong place, you're never going to find it. So as I, I was looking for my wallet, which I absolutely needed, but I was looking for it in my front lawn, but it wasn't there. I was looking for it in my front porch. It wasn't there. I was looking for it in my car. It wasn't there. I was looking for it in the front of my mother's house. It wasn't there. It was in a specific place. Now, <clears throat> this is where the general purpose and the specific purpose comes in, Akeem. That's so often we are looking for the right thing in the wrong place. And what I want to submit to people is that your specific purpose is found in God's general purpose for your life. If you're not looking for your specific purpose in God's general purpose, then you're like you're looking for the right thing in the wrong place. You if you're looking for your specific places outside of God's general purpose for your life, you're looking for it in the wrong place. And you may never find it because it's not lodged anywhere else. It's lodged in God's general purpose. And what I believe God's general purpose is, according to the scriptures, is number one, is to be loved by him, is to love him in return, and is to love others. And in doing that, in serving others, in having this relationship with God, remember, right? Like, if I didn't know, if I didn't know what this was for, and I start wearing it as a hat, yeah, I just need to like the 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 uh, the creator of this cup would come up to me and be like, "Hey, I never created that for you to wear on your head. This is actually supposed to sustain liquid." Well, that's what happens when you are in relationship with the Creator. When you're in a loving encounter with your Creator. In that, you begin to discover what your purpose is. But that is where our focus must be. Like that, like no one went out looking for their purpose per se in the, in the Bible. No one was out there like, I need to find my purpose. They found God went looking for them. When they have an encounter with God, it's when their purpose is revealed. And so that's why I say, if you, if you maintain, if you maintain that understanding like hey i'm going to i'm going to walk in my general purpose as a human being as a as a as a son and child of god like i'm going to walk in that 
first. Hey, I'm a worshiper. Uh, I'm a son of God. I am, to, I am to love and to be loved by God. I am to love others the way God has called me to love others. I promise you there is no way that you're doing those things and then that not manifest. And when you are doing those things, what will happen is that you'll start seeing the giftings. Because when you're, when you're loving people, the giftings will start coming out, Akeem. Mm-hmm. You'll be like, oh, snap. Like, I think I'm, in, I think I'm gifted to be an encourager. If it's, oh, if speak it's, about that. Speak about that because um, you know that's the other thing too that people ask me as well too. And 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 the 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 gift is often something placed in simplicity, right? There are people who man they wake up and they can just sing the the highest A note, B note, C note, and they sound wicked. It's great. There are people who can go to the kitchen, nothing there to be made. But then you look and they see, I got some flour over here. I got some this over here. And you go have a beautiful meal. I've always had a way with words, right? When I read something, I don't I don't recite it the best. That, that, that's why teleprompters and stuff, I wouldn't do a good job at. But I've always had a way of transpiring stories and being able to put it together and, you know, doing all that. So my gift is with words. Bro. So when people are trying to find their gift, man, what is that? What is that? What does that look like? The gift of encouragement. You just talked about that. What what does that look like? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it looks like what I would say a few things. Here's, here's a few indicators that I that I've been helpful. And I don't want to pontificate and, and talk about like I'm an expert in this, but I do want to say some of the things that have been ex uh, helpful. Um, number one is what is it that you are naturally drawn to? What is it that you are naturally? And, and this is not like, it's not a science. It's more like an art, mm -hmm. you know, right? Because we're talking about purpose. And so in discovering some of that, uh, first of all, there's the trump card. The trump card is, is uh is the veto power of god god will, there are times that god will just be like i've called you for this <laughs> like i never want to I, I never want to um uh dismiss that like listen if Absolutely. god says if god says jonah you're going to nineveh like jonah you're going to nineveh all right so one like, way or another <laughs> there is there is the the veto power of god that he calls the shots and yeah, there are times that God will call you to do something and purpose you like he did with moses like he did with jeremiah where um, they didn't even see um, their worth in what God was calling them to do. So, but some of the things that may be natural indicators um, are things that you may be naturally wired to do. Mm -hmm. Things that you're you're not you you just see the world differently, right? So you you like you was you were talking about um, the person that can jump into the kitchen. That person that can jump into the kitchen and just see things see something see a recipe while me and you might be lost be like what in the like there goes ramen we're gonna have to get ramen and cereal um some person a person can be wired differently and be able to see certain things and those can be indicators as to the thing that god has called them to to do um the other thing is i always say sometimes there are things that disturb us and that might be the very thing like god has given you a heart for like, so you might go into a place and be like, man, it really, really disturbs me um, to see somebody mistreated or it really disturbs me to see uh, a lack of good customer service. Well, that could be the very thing that God wants to use you in. And that's why, you know, that's why you might be wired in that place. And so oftentimes we're like we're criticizing and God is saying, no, I'm just I'm just trying to show you that that might be an area that you can be used in. Um, uh, and whatever your natural giftings are, I would say your giftings are actually the equipment that God gives you to accomplish your purpose. Mm. So your gifting um, is your giftings, whatever they are, and they could be many um, are it's the equipment that God gives you to accomplish your purpose. It's the hammer, it's the nails, it's the sheetrock. It's what he gives you to, for you to build what he's called you to, to build um and so yes some of those are our natural indicators and and again all that all that to say it is trumped by hearing god's voice um and the way god speaks to you would be he could speak to you through his word specifically like a whisper in your ear or you know in your knower and then he'll speak to you through people 
That's mm-hmm. why it's so important to be in that atmosphere of general purpose. Because if you're in that place of general purpose, that's when you begin to connect the dots between your giftings. Because oftentimes what happens is, is that we, we, we find our gifting and we think our gifting is to serve us. The Holy Spirit has never given a gift just to serve you. Yeah, the gift yeah. that God has give, given us is to serve the world. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what he's given us a gift for. It's not this self-fulfilling, ambitious dream. It's like, no, I'm giving you this so that you can release it to the world and serve others and love others and make others better. Um, yeah. And so when you're in the general purpose, you're already in the loop of serving others in whatever it takes, right? Like in whatever it takes. So like in our church, like I always say, like no, one, no, no task is too small. You know, no task is too small because each task, each responsibility is connected to a greater purpose. So in that, as people begin to serve, so we have somebody, there's a, there's a young man in our church. I know he's called to be a pastor. He's part of our setup team right now. Mm. So he's, he's the one that's setting up the pipe and drape. And, and Akeem, this is, this, is where, this is where it gets beautiful. And this is why I want people to hear, like everybody that's listening to now, especially if they're thinking about their purpose. Like, God, like, your purpose is, is like this, God will, God will give you certain pieces in your life for you to accomplish what he's called you to accomplish in different seasons. And the way I, I remember I preached, I want to say five years ago, I preached this message called, this ain't a piece of cake. And what I, uh, what I referenced was this Edmonds cake, this nice, delicious this was the outcome. This was the product. This is what it is. And what you don't realize is that you're asking for a piece of cake. You're asking for your purpose. But every season in your life, God doesn't give you the piece of cake. Every season of your life, God will give you the starch. He'll give you the sugar. Mm. He'll, give, you know, he'll give you the pieces. He'll give you the milk. He'll give you pieces. He'll give you the ingredients so that one day it would be formed into the final product every season. And so like when I started in ministry, I was, I was in Bible Institute, but I was the DJ of the youth ministry. I had never preached the message in my life. I never have never um, given a Bible study. I was the DJ. I just made myself available. I said, you need help here? They were like, you know what? We need someone to DJ. I didn't even know how to DJ. <laughs> and back then it wasn't like an iPod for those that are listening. Like it wasn't like an iPod. We didn't, I didn't even have a DJ equipment. We had a five CD player and it would rotate, <laughs> you know? And so being in the environment of God's general purpose is what revealed and released uh, God's specific purpose over my life. And I like that can take years and that's okay. Like it's not going to be a one and done thing. I, I kind of wish it was sometimes. You know, some people ask me the question, hey, why can't just God tell people from day one? I, I don't know the answer to that. I don't know a good enough answer to that. Because <laughs> I always feel like there's enough rebuttals to that. Uh, but I do know that, that, that for sure every person is created with a purpose. And I believe our journey in life is, is part, part of our journey in life is discovering that purpose. Like that is, that is like it's coming to this discovery. Right. Like coming to this realization, like this is what I was created for. I even think Jesus, to a certain degree, the Bible says that he grew in wisdom and he grew in stature. Mm. So it's like there was an understanding that even though Jesus may have had an understanding to a certain degree that he was the savior of the world, it wasn't a full, complete revelation yet until he began to grow understand receive and then eventually accept fully that assignment you know what i mean we got the purpose right we got an understanding of what that looks like and the weight you know what i'm saying the weight is one of those things you just said you were djing with the cds right not even the mixtape turtles and i've always found that the weight (laughs) the weight can be uh discouraging uh the weight can not allow us to pursue that purpose and the weight can help us grow, but the perspective is not often there. 
one of the scriptures wrote that has helped me in more times than I can count, especially when it comes to finishing the race that I started, right? And coming from a professional background in sports, before um, I, I took on speaking full time, it helped me during training when I was tired and gassed out. And it's Galatians 6 verse 9 where it says, do not be weary for doing good for at the proper time you will reap a harvest if you do, do not give up. But the weight role makes people want to give up because at the end of the day, we're flesh, we're human. Yeah. You're a lead pastor now, but there was a journey that took you to get there. I read that you were preaching in a small room, I think in your, in your, in your home with your family at the beginning to now yeah, yeah. where you actually have a place where people can gather. God gave you the purpose and he gave you the vision, but it did not come just because he gave it to you right there. So Ro, how does one not only, uh, how does one not lose sight of the vision and the purpose while you're trying to get through how you make this thing a reality? It's easy to imagine something, it's harder to touch it. How yeah. Yeah. Did you get to there? And were there some times and seasons where you're just like, man, God, you spoke to me here, but I haven't uh, heard from you a little bit here, man. Am I doing the right thing? Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's where so many uh, of us end up getting lost. It's in the waiting. Yeah. Um, it's important to know <clears throat> um, that God is in the waiting. That's so important to know for us that God is in the waiting um, because that's exactly it. Like God will give us a word. God will give us a promise. And then there's this season of waiting that takes place that creates after a while, you know, first year, whoo, I can't wait. Second year, <laughs> third year, fourth year, ninth year, wow. tenth wow. year, eleventh year. Like, wait, what? Um, and, and, and how about this? You're waiting and at times you're failing mm. by your own estimation. Like there are things that you're trying and doing and you're not succeeding at them, but then you're like, God, you said, I could imagine, right? Like there's this word, uh, in Hebrews, it says you are in need of endurance that after you have done the will of God, you will receive the promise. We miss that part. It's you are in need of endurance that after you've done the will of God. In other words, you're gonna do the, you're gonna do the will of God, but then there's this place called endurance that you're just gonna be waiting, and then you'll receive the. And sometimes you're like there, like God, I'm being faithful. God, I'm being faithful. God, I'm being faithful, um, and it's still not happening yet, and it's still not taking place. And that's where the endurance comes in. God is saying, and, and here's what I learned about the waiting. Oftentimes, it's not what you're going to get at the end of your wait. It's who you're becoming during the wait. Mm. It's not always about what you're going to. That's what I've learned during the waiting. Like Sometimes it's in the waiting season that God is preparing you to become the proper pre uh, recipient to receive what it is that he has in store for you. Wow, wow. Say that again. Rewind that one like how you used to be a DJ. Man. Rewind that one and say it again. It's in the waiting that God is preparing you to become the proper recipient yeah. to receive mm. what he has in store for you. It's in that waiting season. And oftentimes, we, I think about Abraham and Sarah, and he promised them the child, right? I think, think about them. He promised them the child of the promise. This is this is the, the child. Well, after a few years, it's like, uh, knock, knock. God, <laughs> remember us? Did you forget here? Now watch this. Like, I could imagine him seeing all his other relatives flourishing and growing and having kids and their kids having kids. My man was 100 years old. And then God speaks to him. Watch this. Then he tries to make it happen on his own. His wife is like, practically, like, we can't judge her, right? It just makes sense. Hey, maybe we need to help God out here. And uh, go sleep with my servant, Hagar. He goes sleeps with Hagar, right? And, 
and and when Hagar gives birth, he's like, God, can you make this child the promised child? Mm. Can you just make this child? After that, 13 years later, he finally has the child of promise. He finally has the child of promise. Um, and so the waiting season is never a wasted season when you're, when you're patiently waiting for what God um, said he will do in your life. On a practical level, what has helped me um, primarily is, is three things. Number one, I say this, like, number one, hold on uh, to community. That's so important. Like, hold on. I think about Abraham, right? Like, Abraham, it says the, the, the men came and they began to speak to him. And they said, one year from now, you will have a child. Mm-hmm. This is after God had already promised. So you need to surround yourself with a community that is able to encourage you in those times of doubt, like you can't do this alone. So hold on to community. That's so important. Hold on because, because in the waiting season, when I want to quit, when I'm, when I don't get the results that I want, when I'm in the gym for a month and I still don't (laughs) feel like I'm like, I need that trainer to be like, Hey man, keep going. Hey man, stick it through. Um, and the second thing is hold on to your confession. Be careful what you are declaring and confessing during that time. It's important for us that during that time, you're, allowing, you're aligning your words with what God has declared over your life. And, and the third thing is like continue to, like, continue to, to, to focus on the one who said it. Mm. Right? Because let's be honest. The value of a person's promise is only as valuable as the person who said it. Am I right? Am I wrong? Right? So like if, if, if somebody who is untrustworthy comes and says, yo, 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 I promise I'm going to give you these $20 back. Let me hold it. Headphones in. That's gone. That's dead. I don't know what you, I don't know you. <laughs> you just give it to them and you just know you'll never see it again. But when you know it's someone who is trustworthy, when you know that it's someone who is faithful, you, when you know it's someone who um, is his very word, then you can trust that. You know, so I hold on to community. I hold on to my confession and I hold on to the image of Christ. Like, yo, if Christ said it, that means it's real. Like, I remember I was having, I want to say last year around this time, I was having a very discouraging season in my life because financially i thought i would be a certain place at this time and at this stage in my life um and it was really really discouraging you know my kids are now getting older my son it was 16 years old and when your kids are kids maybe they're younger you kind of still feel this sense of oh i got time to accomplish i got time for the promise to manifest but when you start seeing your your son become a man when you start seeing your daughter starting to become a young lady, my son is my height. My son is my size. He's 17 years old now. And so I was like, there were certain things that my son wanted to do that I wasn't able to finance. So now it start becoming a thing of like, God, I thought I was going to be here at a certain time. And I almost started throwing stuff to God's face, right? Because in 2016, the Lord called me to full-time and he said, hey, I want you to go full-time ministry. And I jumped into full-time ministry, took a pay cut from my job just so I can go to full-time ministry, believing that, hey, I'm going to take care of God's business and God's going to take care of my finances. And the first three, four years, it was great. But as you get older and inflation and your kids get older and the bills get bigger, you're like, oh, snap. Like, I'm still at the same place financially that I was. and And I did it in the name of the Lord. And I remember the Holy Spirit, he was like, who told you to go full-time? I got defensive. I was like, you told me, you told me to go full-time. <laughs> like, he wow. goes, exactly. He goes, exactly. I told you to go full-time. So if I told you to go full-time, trust that I'm not going to leave you abandoned. Trust that I'm going to take care of your kids. Trust that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to allow you. And let me tell you, that was last year. And this was, this was when I was having my... I want to say, I don't have panic, panic attacks, but I had these moments. I had this moment where I was like, God, what's going on here? Like, like I thought I was, I was this year, 
alone with what God has done through social media, YouTube, this year alone has been the biggest financial year that we've had in the last 10 years in my house. Praise, praise God. And, and again, like your thinking is not going to happen, but then it happens and it happens in abundance. And so financially this year has been the biggest financial year that we've had in the last 10 years. And so I praise God for that because again, he said it. And if he's the one who said it, then, then we trust in it, but know that he's in the waiting. He's in the waiting. Bro, last question I have for you before we close out. First of all, thank you for sharing that, not only God's provision, but the practicality of it. Because the thing that, the thing that I tell people all the time, my conversations with God, I talk to God as if he is le legit right next to me. I don't do this fluff stuff like, oh, God, sovereign. I'm like, no, I'm like, come on, bro. Like, it's like you didn't, you could have, you didn't have to put me this path because I believe when we talk about a relationship with our heavenly father, we want our kids to come and talk to us like how we can relate to them right now. But bro, one of the things that you've done extremely well with man is pivoting with the times. There are, there are uh, old school pastors that I know that I love and I love the message and I love everything that they're about, but the times are always changing. And one of the things that you've done is change with it, going on these platforms to reach in the audience mm. where they are at. So, mm. bro, was that something that 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 you were praying over that came to mind? Because now we're talking about being open to change when our ways may not be working. What did mm. that look like? Because, man, TikTok is 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 booming right now. YouTube is booming right now. But if you were not receptive to going all in and that comes with change, you wouldn't have some of those results. Change is hard. But how did you soften your heart to change with the times? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think that one of the things that ministered to me the most is that when you look at what Paul says in Corinthians, he says, to the Greek, I became a Greek. To the Jew, I became a Jew. I became like under the law to those that were under the law. And I became like not under the law, like those that are not under the law. He says, I did that so that through God's grace, I can reach some. I became all things to all people so that I might reach some. And that is, that is for me, like if I think about the apostle Paul, he would have used any means necessary or any necessary means, I should say, in order to reach uh, people with God's love. It, with the amount of content that's out there now about everything else, about political views, about preferences, about people's, I mean, most unique interests, interests you know, like you have a group for everything now, you know, there's, there's a, there's a, there's a, again, no judgment, but there's a group of, of, you can find a group of adult babies that they, they, they identify as babies and they wear pampers and they wear, um, they, they wear a, a giant baby attire and you can find them by the, the hundreds. Don't ask me how I know that, but it came to <laughs> like, you know, like, hold on a second. Um, but you could literally, you could literally find any kind of, with that kind of world that we live in, yeah. should we not be in the marketplace? Should we not be in that place of sharing God's love with the world? And, and honestly, the, the, the true message of God's love, like sharing the message of God's love with the world, our, our, the theme of our life is love. I mean, most, the most books written about are about love. The most, the biggest movies are about love. Um, we love, love hum humans, love, love, except that we have an improper definition of it. And so getting on every platform and sharing it with the world is, uh, I think, you know, if, if we need to adapt to change, if we need to adapt to that, and change some of our, I'm not married. I'm not married to a method. I'm married to a message. 
Mm. You know? Man. And so I'm never going to compromise the message, but I think that is, it is wise, it is healthy to embrace different methods to share uh, this message of God's love with other people. I mean, Jesus did it, right? Jesus could have jumped in as a scholar and just solely taught from the Torah, but he decided, he decided to embrace and employ parables and share and use everyday life, ordinary things like farming to introduce to people the kingdom of God and God's grace and God's love. And so, yeah, I think that we are, we don't compromise the message, but we surely look to uh, try different things. And if TikTok, imagine the Apostle Paul, like talking to Apostle Paul, hey, Paul, listen, there's this app. <laughs> There's this app. If you said app, you'd be like, no, next. <laughs> no, but like, like, imagine like Paul. Paul's like, yo, I got to get this message to the world. This is Paul, right? He does. He, he's the only one that has three tours, right? Three mission trips. Paul, there's this app that you could just go on it on the phone and it'll reach thousands, possibly millions in one view, in one day. Paul's like, where's it at? Show me this, like, because I'm going to become all things to all people so that I can reach some. Yeah. You know, he, yeah. imagine he wrote, he wrote, imagine how much time he spent. He's like, he does the most writing. The most writing in the, in the New Testament, the most letters written are from Paul. This guy wasn't wasting time. P Peter got three letters. You know what I mean? John has three little letters. Paul has 13. Like, Paul was out there, like, I'm going to hit the Corinthians. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, he was out there. You know, he was, he was becoming all things to all people so that he can reach some. So, like, yeah, I'm, I'm married to a message, but I'm not married to a method. So I'll, I'll try different methods. Man, I appreciate you sharing that, man. Uh, it's, and, and Paul is long-winded, too. You know what I'm saying? So he go, uh -huh. <laughs> you might get a 72-minute a, a, a 78 bars of straight TikTok message. Uh, Ro, thank you so much for your time, man. Um, closing it out. My audience always hears from me, but this season I want to do it a little bit differently. And I believe that there is a message and there's a message on, on, on every person's heart as soon as they wake up. They just may not always share it with people mm -hmm. or the audience or the world around them, but they keep it within I don't want to keep the message of my guests that come on my show for themselves. What is a message that you have on your heart today, Ro, that you could share with the audience and then close us out with the best way for people to keep in touch with you, to follow and to support. I appreciate it. Um, hey, one of my favorite verses of the Bible is first uh, John chapter four, verse 10. Um, it says, this is love. And it defines love by first telling you what is not. It says, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Um, anytime you hear or read in the Bible, when it tells you, when it defines something by what it's not. So when Paul says to Timothy, he says, God has not given you a spirit of fear. When, 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 um, when uh, Paul says you are not slaves, he's addressing a propensity that we are inclined to lean towards. And so when the Bible says that um, this is love, not that we love God. In other words, what, Paul, what, uh, what John is trying to say in that writing is, you have a propensity to think that this thing about love emanates from the human heart. And what we need to understand that it really is who God is. It's not that we love God, but it's that God loved us and gave up himself, his son, to be the propitiation of our sins. And all that to say is to be the payment of our sins for our wrongdoing. And so I want to leave you with that, having the understanding that our relationship with God is not about you finding God or you having a hold of God. Is that God found us. 
God has a hold of you and let God do the heavy lifting. This is love. It's a love that is incomprehensible. It's a love that is extravagant. It's a love that is awesome. It's a love that is wonderful. It is no ordinary love. And it's a love that he freely, unconditionally gives unto us. And so embracing that actually empowers you to walk in your purpose and it empowers you to love others beyond your capacity. Bro, thank you so much, man. Uh, you know, it's uh, always good to hear practical ways how people can stay encouraged, especially when it is pastors who we look up to and look for for spiritual guidance. And so thank you for being open and giving us practical ways how you deal with your own struggles, but also knowing that the purpose that you're talking about, you had to walk it. So thank you so much, man. Um, best way to keep in touch with everyone, to keep in touch with you, what's the best platforms? Yeah, on all social media platforms, it's I am Ro Remedios. I am R-O-R-E-M-E-D-I-O-S. And by the way, Remedios is remedy in Spanish. It's remedies in Spanish, but that's what it is. I have a Spanish last name, but it's I am Ro Remedios. Bro, thank you so much, my brother, man. Much love and appreciation. And definitely God is showing you what it means to trust him. And it is an encouragement for all of us to see that you're still here preaching but from the heart and from a place of love, man. So enjoy the rest of your day, man. And uh, we'll definitely be in touch. Bro, great opportunity. Thank you just for finally connecting with you, meeting with you, and you continue to shine your light, bro. I'm so grateful for God using you in these times and you being a voice um, to this generation, bro. I love you, man. God bless. Love it too, man. Much love, my brother.